let's start this episode off with a story. A good story, in fact. So it's Thanksgiving, and I, uh, after concluding you know, the NFL Thanksgiving of the the NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy on Thursday on Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving episode. So I went over there and I went over to my family. So I said, I got to go change, get all this done. Yeah. Yeah. So I bring over my plate of pumpkin spice cookies that I made. Delicious, by the way, just delicious. So I made those, brought them over. I said, Hey, everybody, happy Thanksgiving. And two of my, you know, family members approached me and said, you know what? We have an extra ticket to the Egg Bowl in Starkville, Mississippi. How about that? And I said, they said, do you want to go? And I said, sure. When are we leaving? And there we go. You see it on X, Instagram, and Facebook, on the Pigskin Frenzy socials. I went to the Egg Bowl, Starkville, Mississippi. We went up. It was about an hour and a half, two-hour drive, barely two hours drive up there. And uh, it was packed out on a very cold, chilly Thursday night. Uh, it was state. It was riled up. The cowbells were going in full force, and it was Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Let me go on and tell you something. That's a top five rivalry for college football. I don't care who says anything. That is a top five rivalry in my book. Uh, I place it at number four on the uh, top pigskin frenzy, top 10 college football rivalries list that I posted this past Friday. Go and look it up um, on all socials. But the game was electric. Uh, Greg Knox rode on the interim head coach, rode, rode on a four-wheeler. They had senior night. Uh, it was packed out, wild, uh, back-and-forth game but until about the, the late third quarter or going into the fourth, and Ole Miss pulled away and won by, seven, by a score of 17-7. Quinshawn Juckins was a factor in that game. He put up over 140-plus yards uh, with 20-plus carries on the ground. He leads the SEC in carries. So uh, Quinshawn Juckins had a night. Jackson Dart had an up-and-down night, but... They got, they got the win, nonetheless. They got the Egg Bowl trophy. They won the Egg Bowl. They run the state of Mississippi. Uh, good coverage that I made of Startville, Mississippi, and uh, looking to go to more games here in the near future. Hopefully next season we will, you know, since the season's kind of winding down, we will go to more games uh, in the near future. So that was the Egg Bowl. I experienced it, and it was fun. Guys, welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, listening on Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, all you got to do is just share around with others and follow on those audio platforms. Now, Instagram, X, and Facebook, all you got to do is just type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow and like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You will get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's college football question, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, I know that was a quick, you know, uh, two-minute to three-minute story, but good intro there to kick off. Showdown Saturday. It was an electric showdown Saturday. Our first showdown Saturday here at Pigskin Frenzy, and it was electrifying. Uh, a lot of games happened. A lot of tight battles happened. In the end, some of the some of the games that I covered got right. I was three and one in my showdown Saturday coverage, and. It's now time for Conference Frenzy, as I like to call it. Conference Championship Week has arrived. I'm calling it Conference Frenzy because why not? <laughs> so Conference Frenzy has arrived, our first ever Conference Frenzy. We're going to cover not 
not four, but six football games this weekend for college football and then four NFL games. So a total, well, a total of 10 football games will be covered by Pigskin Frenzy this weekend. So busy weekend on tap for Pigskin Frenzy. So a lot happening and, you know, a lot going down. We're going to recap showdown Saturday. We're going to preview and predict conference frenzy. Other news, we're going to dive deep in to the coaching carousel and the latest names into the transfer portal. Guys, big news dropping this weekend. You're not going to want to miss it. You've probably already seen it, but we're going to talk about it here on the show. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Like each episode, guys, on audio platforms. Keep plugging in on there as well, and keep plugging in on all socials and keep it up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Let's recap Showdown Saturday because I was excited about it, guys. I was excited about it. So, Showdown Saturday, let's just kick it off with the one I got wrong, and that was Kentucky and Louisville. Man, I picked Louisville to win that game. I thought that Louisville was going to actually, it was going to be closer, and Louisville was going to get him. They were going to get him. They were going to win. Final score, 38-31. Kentucky, Kentucky won this ball game, and guess what? On the road, too. On the road. Kentucky is 7-5. Louisville is now 10-2. Let's go with the stats before we talk about this game and break it down. Devin Leary, 12 for 22 with 206 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. Ray Davis, 14 carries with 76 yards and a touchdown, four receptions with 51 yards and two touchdowns. Barry and Brown, two receptions with 48 yards. Dane Key, two receptions with 25 yards and a touchdown. Isaiah Cummings, 55-yard touchdown down reception, and the defense played stingy and forced three turnovers in this game. Linebackers J.J. Weaver and De'Eric Jackson were the highlights of this defense. Weaver racked up eight tackles and a sack, and Jackson racked up 11 total tackles. Let's go with Louisville stats before we break down the game quickly. Jack Plummer, 24 for 33 with 242 yards and two touchdowns with an interception. 11 carries with 19 yards. Jahar Jordan, 17 carries with 67 yards and two touchdowns. Three receptions with 25 yards. Isaiah Isaac Garandino, 13 carries with 54 yards. Kevin Coleman Jr., two carries of 21 yards and a 29-yard touchdown reception. Uh, Jamari Thrash, six receptions with 60 yards. Nate, Nate Kariski, three receptions with 25 yards. Joey Gatewood, if y'all remember Joey Gatewood, he was the Auburn transfer quarterback. He played quarterback at Auburn, but now he moved positions, transferred to Louisville, and he is a tight end now. So tight end, Joey Gatewood. Two receptions with 25 yards and a touchdown. Amari Huggins-Bruce, two receptions with 24 yards and a touchdown. The defense played stingy as well with two sacks and one turnover, and it was highlighted by defensive backs Benjamin Perry and Quincy Riley. Perry racked up nine total tackles, while Riley racked up six total tackles. So, let's break this game down. Kentucky Came to play. <laughs> uh, Louisville came to play also. Don't get me wrong. But that game was what rivalry was weekend was all about. That was what showdown Saturday was all about. And I said it weeks ago. I said it in October that that Kentucky and Louisville game was probably going to be the, one of the most underrated contests of showdown Saturday and of rivalry weekend. That was going to be electrifying. And it was. It was back and forth until the end. And Kentucky won the game late and sealed it by a touchdown. Devin Leary had a game. He had one of his best games, just like he did against Tennessee. That was the key I said last week, that Devin Leary needed to have a sensational game to pull off the upset in Papa John Cardinal Stadium. He needed to play and throw for three touchdowns, and throw and not only throw for three touchdowns, needed to play a sensational game like he did against the Vols. He lost against the Vols, but who says he wasn't going to lose this game? You know, 
he could have won this game if he had a sensational game, and he did have a sensational game, and he, and they did win the football game. Uh, Ray Davis was electric, uh, not only on the ground but through the air. Uh, he in the passing attacks, he was electric. He had two touchdowns to the passing, and he had one rushing touchdown on the ground. So Ray Davis and Devin Leary were just. I mean, they were just a, a, a one-two, a one-two punch combo right there, man. You know, you know, pick your poison that night, that day against Louisville, and they they look good. They look really, really good playing football. They're seven and five. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about Mark Stoops and what's going on there later in the in the episode. But it was a good, it was a good showing for Kentucky. Mark Stoops got the win. Tough, tough win you know, for Kentucky. And they played good on defense as well. I mean, J.J. Weaver and De'Eric Jackson, they were the big forces on defense up in the middle, uh, racking up eight to, eight to 11 total tackles, and uh, Weaver had a sack. So uh, stingy defensive play by them, and Devin Leary played a sensational football game. For Louisville, uh, Louisville, they, I think what happened, and this is what my thing was, I think this is, this is what happened. I think Louisville had a good game but did not expect to see that Kentucky team. I felt like they just a little bit did not expect to be in that type of game with Kentucky. And I think that's what happened here. I I mean, they played fo- great football. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Jack Plummer, 242 yards with two touchdowns. Uh, he had 11 carries on the ground with 19 yards. I mean, Jahar Jordan was a good, was a solid rusher, 67 yards and two touchdowns. Jahar Jordan played great on the ground too. They played good football. They did. They just did not expect Kentucky to fight back like they did. And I think that's what threw them off. But Louisville, they're 10-2. and two. Don't sweat it. They got a game coming up Saturday that we're going to talk about. They're in the ACC Championship against Florida State. We're going to talk about that game. We're covering that football game as well So uh, in Charlotte. So Louisville, they just did not expect that type of of response from Kentucky. And I felt and I just felt like just before they were they were playing and playing hard and warming up for Florida State, quote unquote, but that's how they viewed it. They viewed it as a warm-up until they got into a game with Kentucky from the starting starting whistle. You know, from the starting whistle to the ending whistle, they were in a game with Kentucky. They did not expect this to happen. I did not expect this to happen. I thought Kentucky was gonna uh lose this one by but close, but hey, anything can happen. Rivalry weekend and anything can happen in showdown Saturday. Final score, Kentucky 38, Louisville 31. Kentucky ends the season 75. They are going to go to a bowl game. Don't know which one yet, but they will. Can Louisville? They'll go to a bowl game also, but they got a game Saturday. Conference frenzy happening. ACC championship against Florida State awaits them in Charlotte. 10-2. and two. Let's see what happens there because that is going to be an interesting story going into Charlotte. Moving on, let's go. Let's let's rewind the clock back. Let's go from Saturday to Friday. Let's go back in, in back to the past. Blast from the past a little bit. The Civil War. Oregon State and Oregon. Man, Austin Stadium was electric. Senior night for Bo Nix and a senior night for a lot of these seniors who were playing in Austin Stadium for the final time. Electric crowd, uh, good atmosphere. And the game itself was kind of lopsided. I got it right, but I didn't expect it to be this lopsided. Final score, Oregon 31, Oregon State 7. A lot of people thinking, Joel, why didn't you expect it to be lopsided? A lot of others did. I'm not going to lie. A lot of others did. Uh, a lot of my media friends did. A lot of people in the sports sporting world thought, hey, this was going to be a lopsided game. I 
myself. Didn't expect it to be that lopsided, but it was. Oregon 31, Oregon State 7, Bo Nix 33 for 40 with 367 yards and two touchdowns. Six carries with 31 yards and a touchdown. Jordan James, seven carries with 43 yards and a touchdown. Bucky Irving, 14 carries with 41 yards, five receptions with 17 yards and a touchdown. Tez Johnson, 11 receptions with 137 yards. Oh, it, it, there's more. Trust me. Troy Franklin, nine receptions with 128 yards and a touchdown. Terrence Ferguson, three receptions with 32 yards. As I flip the paper, because there is more. <laughs> of course, right? There is more. Treshawn Holden, two receptions with 27 yards. Defensive back Evan Williams was the highlight of the night with six total tackles on defense. Let's go with Oregon State's and we're going to talk about what happened there. DJ Ua Ungale, 19 for 35 with 220 yards and a touchdown with an interception, seven carries with 13 yards. Dami Martinez couldn't didn't get a lot going on the ground. I, I expected him to try to, to get some more stuff going on the ground, but he really just couldn't get stuff going on the ground. 13 carries with 38 yards. Anthony Gold, six receptions with 85 yards. Silas Bolden, four receptions with 56 yards and a touchdown. Jimmy Boston, the third, three receptions with 26 yards. The defense couldn't slow them down much, but the two highlights were linebacker Easton Massacre and defensive back Kitan Oladipo. Mascarenas had 11 total tackles, and Oladipo had 11 total tackles as well. Now, the game itself, <laughs> sorry, that's why I read off the stats and the highlights from the game. This, the game itself uh, was, and this is my kind of big thing for them, time of possession for Oregon. My goodness, they took the whole first quarter to get down the field. They they just ran plays the whole first quarter. Majority of the first quarter, they got back to the late end of the first quarter. Oregon State had their first drive. Like around, what, three minutes in the first, Oregon State had their first drive. They took up 12 minutes of the first quarter, near 12-plus minutes of the first quarter on one drive. Time of possession, they ate that up. And I think that is a big problem, and that's what killed Oregon State a little bit. Now, Oregon played a lot more physical. I don't think Oregon State has seen a team that physical. And I think they just saw one Friday in Austin Stadium. I think the Beavers uh, just got outmatched, outplayed, and time of possession, like I said, was a big factor for Oregon State. They really couldn't get anything going. As for Oregon, Oregon looked solid. I mean, in the in the receiving, the passing game, the running game, they look solid in all areas. They played physical football. They look like they are ready for Friday for the Pac-12 championship game against Washington, the rematch. We're going to talk about that, and we're covering that on Friday. Guys, they are ready. And the way they played, they could very well win against Washington and win and go out to the college football playoff. We don't know yet. We're going to see. We're going to talk about it. Uh, let's just see what happens. But I, I don't know. I, I think right now, the way I see it and the way I look at it, I, I mean, Oregon's looking like a, a solid contender right now, a solid contender. I mean, they played a, a one-sided game, a complete game, and uh, the, I'm just going to keep mentioning it. That time of possession was the key thing that got me in this game uh, compared to Oregon State. So uh, Oregon State, they're still a good team. We're going to have to talk about what's happening up there in here just a little bit and what this means for them. But they're still a good team. They gotta, they're got they going to a bowl game. I mean, look, 8-4, and four, not a bad year. Nine, could win nine, 
fixing to win nine games potentially. So let's see what happens uh, as they go to a bowl game in Oregon. Still got a lot to play for. Pac-12 title game Friday in Vegas against Washington in a rematch and as well as potentially college football playoff berth on the line. So final score, 31-7. Oregon does indeed win the Civil War in Oregon and defeats Oregon State uh, in a lopsided victory. So moving on, let's go to the Sunshine State Bowl. Florida State, Florida. I covered this one as well. Thought this was an interesting game because both of them lost their starting quarterbacks for the year and potentially for good for Florida State side. And both of them were starting guys that really you know, weren't, you know, they, they have experience on one side, but the other was a true freshman, right? Not only that, we got to see how the defense responds on both ends. And that was an interesting game about this. I picked Florida State close to win, and I was right. Florida State 24, Florida 15. Uh, unfortunately, Florida is not going bowling. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's read the stats off, and let's talk about Florida State first. Tate Rotomaker, 12 for 25 with 134 yards. Trey Benson, 19 carries with 95 yards and three touchdowns. Lawrence Toa Fafili, five carries with 23 yards. Johnny Wilson, six receptions with 64 yards. Jaheim Bell, three receptions with 38 yards. Keon Coleman, 24-yard reception. The defense stepped up in a big way with defense back Akeem Dent racking up seven total tackles. Linebacker Tatum Bethune racking up seven total tackles. And edge rusher Jared Burst racking up six total tackles and two and a half sacks. So, Let's go with Florida's. Max Brown, 19 for 16 with 86 yards and an interception. Mount Montrell Johnson, he played really well for Florida on offense. He ran the ball solid. Uh, 18 carries with 107 yards and a touchdown. Trevor Etienne, 10 carries with 43 yards. Eugene Wilson, the third, three receptions with 36 yards. Hayden Hansen, 24-yard reception. Ricky Pearsall, 17-yard reception. And the defense gave it their all. Linebacker Derek Wingo had five total tackles and a half a sack. And defensive back Jason Marshall, the junior, had four total tackles and one sack. So when I look at this game, um, Florida State's a complete... First off, Florida State got the win. Congratulations. Good on Mike Norville. But they look like a completely different team without Jordan Travis. I don't know if y'all have not... Did you, I don't know if y'all watched the game. I watched the game. I saw it. They look like a completely different football team. They really do. They they do. They look like a, a different team. Uh, a little bit a little bit slower on offense. Uh, you know not as precise and that's okay because he's he's there he was their backup he hadn't started all of it but now he's thrown into the fire he's thrown into the fire with Florida now he's got to go Saturday to Charlotte in front of an in an NFL environment to play for the ACC Conference Championship against Louisville a white a pretty solid Louisville team that's 10 and 2 I'm just saying that this could go either way uh, it went from Florida State having the edge to you can flip a coin on this game. This offense looks uh, slightly downgradish, and I'm not holding my hand up. If you see me on YouTube on audio, just picture me holding my hand up. Just time out, just pause. I am not saying that they're a bad football team. They're not. They're undefeated for a reason, but that reason's gone. That reason is gone, and we got to find a new reason for them to stay undefeated. Jordan Travis was getting him to the promised land, but now Tate Rotomaker's got to finish that, that 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 destiny and that fulfillment and take him there himself, right? So Tate Rotomaker um, has got to play a little bit better than what he played Saturday. He played good, but it wasn't 
great. It wasn't. It was decent, but it wasn't great. I wouldn't even say good. Actually, I, I, I let me take it back. He would play decent football, but he didn't play phenomenal football. He didn't play great football. He didn't play like they they need him to play. Uh, they they relied on Trey Benson a lot in the ground game, which was good because Trey Benson is an excellent runner, and I would rely on him too. Uh, but he needs to just calm down, relax, and utilize the weapons around him. Good. They handed they one weapon was utilized, and that was Trey Benson. But Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, you got talent around you. Just feed them the ball and let them make plays. Don't overdo it. Just calm down and, and utilize the rest of the offensive weapons around you. And I think that is a big thing about Florida State right now is utilize the weapons around you. Defense stepped up big. Akeem Dent looked good. Tatum uh, Bethune looked good, and Jared Burst looked good. Jared Burst, uh, they're trying their best to maintain an undefeated season and try their best to win a conference title to try to convince the playoff committee, hey, we're an undefeated team. We need to be in. So let's just see what happens there with Florida State. Florida State got the win. Let's talk about Florida for a second. Florida not going bowl eligible. And uh, they're five and seven. They lost their last three games, LSU, Missouri, and Florida State. They play Missouri the closest, and that's what I said. If you need a game to win, you need that's the game you would probably need to win, and that was Missouri. They did not win that one. They should have won against Arkansas. I think Arkansas is what hurt them the most, and that hurt their chances a lot. They lost to Arkansas. They lost their whole month of November. Five and seven. Uh, we're going to focus on the 2024 season for Billy Napier in Florida. Sorry, I was rubbing my eye. That was completely inappropriate. <laughs> I am sorry, and that was not professional on my part. Good good thing the people on audio are listening. If you watch me rub my eye on YouTube, I apologize. Uh, it was just itchy, and I had to had to get to rub it out sometimes, I guess. Rub, the, rub my eye out and rub my eye sometimes, I guess. I don't know. So... Let's talk about Florida really quick. Five and seven heading into the 2024 season. When you look at them, this season is relying, and I mean relying, going into that third season is crucial. Year one, you're not going to know anything really. You're not going to know anything else, okay? You're not going to know a lot. But when you are, you know, going into year two, it's like, okay, let's start to see some sort of improvement heading in you know, to the third season, some sort of improvement. And by improvement, I mean playing the games a lot closer. Guess what? They played the games a lot closer. Uh, they a Style of play, at least. Scoreboard didn't show it, but a lot of plays, they played physical, and they played with a lot of toughness after that Utah loss. They did. They had an upset win against Tennessee. Um, they had some good wins against South Carolina. They played some good games, but... They beat. They got beat by Georgia. wasn't close. They got and, and not even. I won't say even on the scoreboard. Style of play wasn't close with the Georgia, uh, LSU. They got blown out by LSU. They lost a heartbreaker to Missouri. They lost to Arkansas, which they shouldn't have lost to Arkansas in overtime. And they lost to Florida State close. Now they must. They worked hard. They played hard. But here's the here's the problem. You've got to produce wins while playing hard. If you keep losing while playing hard, it's not going to make a difference. And I feel like. The improvement needs to be shown in wins next year, uh, and that's tough because you got a tough schedule ahead. Florida does. They are relying on a good recruiting class as well. Uh, DJ uh, DJ Logway, 
uh, who just is now who is a five-star quarterback commit out of Florida, or you know, out of Florida, out of the state of Florida, and they are co- he's committed to Florida. Uh, DJ Lagway, uh, he is a a tremendous talent, one of the best quarterback, or probably he's the number two quarterback prospect in twenty, you know, going into the twenty twenty four season. Um, uh, only behind Julian Sayan, uh commit uh, Alabama commit. So they are relying on him, and they're relying on building that recruiting class around him. My thing is this. They're number three in recruiting right now, but what's it going to look like in December? And what's it going into December? And what's it going to look like going into February when national when the when that window opens up for recruiting as well? If it's still at number three, we're on to something. If it dips with DJ DJ Lagway still there, and it dips, it's not really the best sign because uh, uh, it has been so hyped that the 2024 recruiting class for Florida was going to be something special. And it, ha- it, it and if it's not, and it's delivered on an empty promise, that's the that's the first downfall. That's the first puzzle piece just not adding up. Now you got a tough schedule as well. You got Miami. You got Texas, you got Kentucky, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss. You got a t- Ole Miss as well. You got a tough schedule coming in 2024. A very tough schedule coming in 2024. And that's going to rely on some games that you probably have to win. You got to win it. Tennessee's another one that you got to win those games. You got to win. You, you got to find a way to win at least eight to nine of those games. If this is the same result that they're going to keep getting, you're going to wonder, is Billy Napier the right coach? And that is, that's not me trying to be like, dude, you're just making up stuff now. I'm being serious. I'm being, I'm walking, I'm, I'm covering college football now, but I've watched the sport for many years. I know how it runs. It's, that's how it runs. And it's, it's one of those things where, uh, if we don't see any improvement, they're going to start casting it out on Billy Napier and uh, I'm rooting for anybody and, and and I'm rooting for anybody to turn their program around. I'm one that wants to see people turn their programs around. We're going to talk about coaching carousel in a minute, but Billy Napier needs to probably pick it up year three, make some sort of improvement because if not you go and, and, and he's still there by year four, Year four is going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. So uh, pressure is already starting to mount now, but a lot of pressure if this season is not, you know, what it's supposed to be. So uh, 24-15, Florida State beats Florida. Florida not going bowling. They're going to rely on 2024. Look ahead there. Florida State got a lot to play for. Their season is not over. They have an ACC championship away and a potential college football playoff berth awaiting them. Final game that we're going to talk about and it's the game (laughs) the game my first time covering the game and michigan ohio state did not disappoint with all the hype going into this game with jim harbaugh suspension the sign stealing the oh you know we're gonna get them we're gonna get them is it gonna be three years in a row Uh, are we gonna just you know is Ryan Day going to get Jim Harbaugh and then and uh, Sheryl Moore coaching him is he gonna do it Jim Harbaugh not being there that's not that's we're gonna get them this time. Final score: Michigan thirty, Ohio State twenty four. And I watched the game, and I thought, 
wow, Sharon Moore coached a pretty good football game. He did. That defense was stingy, but Ohio State played them close. Ohio State played a good game. And it was a game where if you win, you're in. If you lose, you're out. And it's going to reflect on the college football playoff rankings, and it's going to reflect on my rankings as well. So uh, if you're in, you're in. If you if you win, you're in. If you lose, you're out. And there are too many teams that are playing in, co- in, in conference championships this weekend who have one losses. Alabama, Texas, and Oregon is the de- big debate right now, uh, along with Florida State. Unfortunately, but I don't know why they would be since they're undefeated. But let's just say this: Ohio State's not playing this weekend until a bowl game, potentially. But there's, there's, it's not like last year. There are too many teams that are undefeated. There are two. There's three teams that are undefeated, and there's too many one losses out there that are playing for conference championships. If this was the 12th team, Ohio State would be in, but it's not. And it's the four-team playoff. It's the last year of the four-team playoff. And it's not, it's Ohio State's out. There's no way, way, other way to put it. They're out. They lost, they're out. Uh, So this year, they're out. And that's all That's all we got to say about it. Michigan, let's go with their stats. Let's go with Ohio State's stats before we conclude the Showdown Saturday recap. Michigan 30, Ohio State 24. J.J. McCarthy, 16 for 20 with 148 yards and a touchdown. Four carries with 17 yards. Uh, their backup quarterback came in to run a few plays. Alex Orgy, two carries with 22 yards. Fast running quarterback. They really couldn't get a hold of him for a couple of plays. Donovan Edwards, 10 carries with 31 yards. A 34-yard pass in two receptions with five yards. Donovan Edwards doing it all Saturday against the Buckeyes. Blake Corum, 22 carries with 88 yards and two touchdowns. Colston Loveland, five receptions with 88 yards. Roman Wilson, three receptions with 36 yards and a touchdown. Cornelius Johnson, four receptions with 33 yards. A.J. Barner, two receptions with 25 yards. And the defense forced two turnovers and played really stingy. Linebacker Junior Colson racked up 11 total tackles. And defensive back Rod Moore notched five tackles and an interception, and they were the highlights for this defense. So let's go with Ohio State. Kyle McCord, 18 for 30 with 271 yards, two touchdowns with two interceptions. Travion Henderson, 19 carries with 60 yards and a touchdown, three receptions with 19 yards. Chip Tranium, uh, six carries with 37 yards. Marvin Harrison Jr., five receptions with 118 yards and a touchdown. Julian Fleming, three receptions with 58 yards. Cade Stover got three receptions with 42 yards. Emeka Abuka, three receptions with 25 yards and a touchdown. And the defense played a very solid game against the Wolverines, but there was only one big problem. And that's where we lead into the conversation about this game. One big problem. Let's talk about Ohio. Let's talk about, let's talk about, you know what? Scratch that. Let's talk about Michigan first. Then lead into Ohio State. Michigan played a solid football game. They were physical in the trenches. They played really stingy defense. And they ran the ball extremely well. Blake Corum, 88 yards, two touchdowns, 22 carries. Donovan Edwards, 31 yards. It's not a lot of yards, but they ran the ball back in, back with them consistently. Jason McCarthy ran the ball well. Alex Orgy ran the ball well. Uh Running the ball was a key thing for them, and it's been a key thing for them, and they can do it. They got they got the tools and you know and their and their arsenal necessary to run the ball. Played very physical football, played very stingy defense, enforced two turnovers, including a game ceiling interception by Michigan thrown by Kyle McCord. Uh, and I think Michigan is a team that they're still the most complete team in college football, but there's some questions on whether. 
they can be big or not. And I think they could. There's there's some way, there's some, it's Michigan against the world, I know. And you're saying, Joel, you're now against Michigan. I'm not against Michigan. I've been rooting for Michigan the whole time. I've had them since the half of the rankings for the frenzy rankings ever since Halloween started it. I've had them number one. They're, they're not number one in my rankings now. They're number two, but I've had them at number one and number two. They're the top two team in the nation. Michigan is a complete football team, but can they beat a team like Georgia? Because Georgia can play physical football with this football team. I know it. Let's just see what happens. They got Iowa Saturday, a 10-2 and Iowa team that's got a singy defense. They got them Saturday in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. Now, when I look at, you know, when I look at this game, Michigan played solid. They played solid in the past. They played solid in all aspects of the game, and they won. That's all you got to say. They, they just for outright won the game. Here's the problem with Ohio State, and this is where I'm going to talk about Ohio State. We're talking about they played good on offense. Marvin Harrison picked up 118 yards. They played, they moved the ball well on Michigan's defense. Even though Michigan's defense played solid, Ohio State still moved the ball on them pretty well. Now, Ohio State, they got some playmakers, and that is why they, they did move the ball on them. Here's the big problem, though. Capitalization and opportunities for Ohio State. They did not capitalize on some of the big plays. Michigan did. And when I tell you that they did, they did. Explosive plays for, I'll say, 17. Some players had 17 yards per play on average, okay? Average. Alex Orgy had 11 yards average, 22 yards total. So uh, it's the big plays. And it was just like last year, the big plays. Even though this game was a lot closer, Ohio State didn't capitalize on the big plays. Michigan did, and that's why Michigan won the football game, I believe. I think Ohio State had some big moments. They didn't capitalize on them enough like Michigan did, and that's what gave Michigan the win. The two turnovers were costly, and it is kind of hard to come back in a game in the magnitude like this in a in a tough environment like Michigan Stadium. Two turnovers, it's kind of kind of hard to come back from in this football game. So I think the game itself is was kind of based off of the big plays, just like last year, and Michigan capitalized on it, and Ohio State did not. Ohio State is going to a New Year's Six Bowl. There's no doubt. Orange Bowl, most likely. Uh, Orange Bowl or, or Cotton are most likely. They're going to a New Year's Six. Who do they play? I don't know. There's been rumors of them playing Louisville or a Missouri. I think I, I, I think that they could end up playing one of those two teams, but Ohio State still got a lot to play for in the New Year's Six and will still have an incredible finish to a season, to, to a season that was pretty solid. But to Ohio State fans, it feels like their season is over because they didn't get there, and it's not complete. It's not a completed season. It's not a fulfilling season because they did not beat Michigan. One loss changes the whole course of a season, and the whole course of a playoff. Not just for Ohio State, but for everybody involved in college football. That's how much this game is important. This game is the most... This game this this weekend was the most important game out of everything because it determined who's in and who's out. Michigan is most likely in if they get past Iowa. That was the showdown Saturday recap. And it was a great showdown Saturday. 
uh, went to the Egg Bowl to kick it off, and that was some good coverage there. Uh, go and check out my socials on that. I talked about it to yeah, start off the show, but it was a good showdown Saturday overall. Before we get into the this week's frenzy rankings, going into conference frenzy, and before we get into the conference frenzy preview and predictions, let's talk about other news going around in college football because we need to. A lot going on. Other news, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh could be available to coach the Big Ten Championship game versus Iowa now that he has served his three-game suspension. So he should be available now, Saturday night, the coach in Indianapolis against Iowa. Remains to be seen what happens this week, but if nothing else fails, if nothing else you know comes up, it's looking like Jim Harbaugh may be back to coach the, the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis now that they've made it and now that you know they're playing Iowa in Indy. So that's some headlines there. Let's talk about coaching carousel. Texas A&M has found their guy, and it was confusing at first because we're going to talk about this for a little bit. Texas A&M has found their guy. Texas A&M has hired Duke head coach Mike Elko to be their next head coach. Now, Texas A&M, late Saturday night, there were some rumors and some stuff flying around that Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops was going to be the next head coach at Texas A&M. That's why I said earlier that we were going to mention Mark Stoops, and we're now mentioning Mark Stoops. So, uh, hello, Mark. So, everyone was saying, what about this hire? What? I mean, Mark Stoops, why, why? He he may have won 10 games at Kentucky, but can he do it at A&M? I don't think he can. I don't think he's the right fit. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, so, and, and I say yada, yada, yada like that because that's what it was. Blah, you know, it was a lot of, you know, talk, right? So, Texas, uh, Texas A&M, we're going to hire Mark Stoops. Then it came out that Mark Stoops, like about what, an hour and a half later, that he was staying at Kentucky. Mark Stoops re- released a statement and said that I am proud to be a Wildcat. Uh, we got a good win today. It made me realize, and I would there while the rumors were true that I was contacted by uh, someone for by a team for another opportunity, Texas A&M, for another opportunity. Uh, I chose to stay at Kentucky after winning this game today. And or uh, and I was proud of it. There's a better time to be a Wildcat. We're going bowling. And we got some. I'm on a job that I love, and you know, there's some good things happening at Kentucky. Mark Stoops is staying as the head coach of the, uh, as for the Kentucky Wildcats. So, what I say about that is, it looked like the job was in play, but with due to the fan backlash, they all backtracked. Every last one of them backtracked, and it was. The offer was rescinded, and it was backtracked because of the fan backlash. We cannot run the sport like that. Do not not rescind an offer due to fan backlash, okay? We can't rescind. We can't do that in college football. Now, Mark Stoops, I like Mark Stoops. I think he's a good coach. He's a good coach at Kentucky. Do I think he was going to be a fit at A&M? I can't really judge that, but I will say this. He was he's a good fit at Kentucky, and I think where he is now is a perfect spot for him. So, Talk about Mike Elko. Duke head coach Mike Elko has been hired per Pete Thamel of ESPN. So Mike Elko, the two sides agreed Sunday, uh, late Saturday night, going into all day Sunday, they've agreed. And press conference was Monday, uh, yesterday. And let me go on and tell you something. Uh, Mike Elko's re- Mike Elko sounded ready. He sounded prepared, and he is ready to be back home. He was the former defensive coordinator for Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. 
and it went to Duke to be their head coach. Had a good season at Duke. He's had a good two years at Duke. He's had a good couple of years there. He uh, he has done well this season with Riley Leonard and Jacquez Moore and Jordan Waters. Uh, he 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 has played. Has done really good with that team. Now everyone's going to sit there and say, "Oh, he's a good fit. He's a good fit. Uh, he he's he is a fit there." Okay, yes. People are going to have their opinions. People are going to say. He's not a good fit there. He's, you know, they should they they shouldn't have hired him. Understandable. There's all mixed opinions on who everybody who everybody hires, right? Everybody's gonna have some chatter or some opinion. Okay. Now people are asking me, Joel, what do you think of the hire? I have no I have no opinion on it. <laughs> I have no opinion on it, and I'm gonna tell you why. He's got to answer due to his through his performance. He's got to answer through his actions. He's got to answer questions through his actions. And here are the questions. Can he recruit at a high level? High school recruiting in the state of Texas and throughout the SEC. SEC recruiting is big. So can he recruit and out-recruit everybody in the SEC? That's one. Two, can he utilize the NIL and can he utilize the transfer portal properly? That's two things that are big with a program like Texas A&M. Three, can he utilize those resources that he's got around him at Texas A&M? And can he utilize them properly? Four, can he create a, a solid enough and a, probably and a, most likely, hopefully, an elite coaching staff to try to either A, get him to the playoff, or B, win the national championship, or even just contend regularly? If he answers those questions, then the proof is in the pudding, right? The proof's in the pudding. That's the answer. The proof is in the pudding. If he answers all those questions, then he's the right hire for the team. If he doesn't answer those questions and he is not doing all those things right, that answers your question also. I cannot have an opinion. The proof's going to be in the pudding, and that is the best way to put... This higher, the proof's going to be in the pudding. So let's see what happens with the pudding, and let's see if it's if that proof is in there. So Texas A&M has hired Duke head coach Mike Elko to be their next head coach. Uh, let's see what happens and what's going to go down with A&M through here. Mississippi State has also found their head coach. Mississippi State has hired Oklahoma offensive coordinator Jeff Levy to be their next head coach. Did not see that one. I will admit that from right off the bat. I did not see that one coming. I didn't see him leaving Oklahoma to go to Mississippi State to be a head coach, but they offered it to him. Jeff Levy was also the former offensive coordinator under Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, so he's a good offensive mastermind. Will he convince a a quarterback like Will Rogers uh, to, you know, not, you know, to stay an extra year. We're going to talk about Will Rogers here coming up in a little bit. Going to be an interesting scenario there. Jeff Levy, offensive mastermind, try to get that offense and try to get the ball moving at state. They were having a big problem with that this season under Zach Arnett. So let's see what Jeff Levy does and let's see what he can bring to the table. I would assume that the multiple run offense is gone and that they're going to line up as a spread type offense and they're going to, you know, put up points. And I think state is a team that now under Jeff Levy, potentially that you're going to have to try to score with them again. And I think to compete with Ole Miss in the state of Mississippi, 
they're going to have to try to do that. Now that Lane's now that since Lane Kiffin is now has still been the head coach there, you're going to have to outscore them and compete with him that way. So good hire by State. Jeff Levy is their next head coach, and he signed a five year deal. So let's see what happens there. I'm I'm interested to see what happens in 2024 for Mississippi State down in Stark Vegas. Michigan State has made their hire, and it's a big one. They have hired Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith to be their next head coach. Wow. He was in play for that job. I also could have seen him going to UCLA if they were going to fire Chip Kelly. There's no word on that one as as of yet. Uh, they fired Jonathan. Uh, they hired Jonathan Smith from Oregon State as their next head coach. He is going to the Big Ten. And let me go on and tell you something up in East Lansing. Core Wallace is going to be is going to be hurting after that one. They're going to be missing him. Uh, what does this mean for Oregon State? They're going to have to find a, a solid enough coach to coach them in what remains to be the Pac-12, now the Pac-2. But we're going to have to see what go where Oregon State goes from here. But Michigan State, they got to find a way to recruit at a high level, especially since you got Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon all in the Big Ten now. So you're going to have to figure, and Wisconsin, and Wisconsin, going to be a tough play. And you even can add Maryland and Minnesota in there as well. So it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be uh, a tough field to try to recruit from and try to out-recruit Michigan and out-recruit them and try to get them to play for Michigan State. Can Jonathan Smith do it? I believe that he, he could, but it's just like the Mike Elko hire. The proofs, you're going to have to be in the pudding. you got to have to answer the questions. Uh, can you recruit at a high level? Uh, can you utilize the NIL and transfer portal properly? And can you get bring up an elite coaching staff or a pretty solid coaching staff to contend in the Big Ten? Let's just see what happens there. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with Jonathan Smith as their next head coach. Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildjack, uh, Wildhack met with former Florida and Mississippi State head coach Dan Mullen last Wednesday. Interesting story there. Uh, they just got rid of uh, Dino Babers, and I think if Dan Mullen decides to go there, that'd be an interesting story there as Dan Mullen and John Wildhack have talked, and they could be in discussion to see if Dan Mullen could be a fit as the next head coach at the Syracuse, the Syracuse Orange. So two more things. Houston has fired head coach Dana Holgerson after a 4-8 and eight season in Houston. Dana Holgerson, uh, uh, so I like Dana Holgerson a lot, uh, but I can understand the reason why Houston let him go because they need to try to move into a, a, a positive direction in the Big 12. I mean, Understandable. So, and I completely get why they would let him go because of the season that they had. They want to play better. They want to compete. So, uh, best of luck for Daniel Holgerson and his future endeavors in Houston. Let's see what Houston goes and where they go from here. Last but not least, Indiana has fired head coach Tom Allen. Tom Allen uh, was in a make it or break it kind of season this year, uh, but with the content with the Big Ten on, you know adding more teams and conference realignment, they're going to probably need to try to find a way to compete in that tough conference now. So uh, they had to get rid of Tom Allen, a name to watch out for as a wild card. This was reported Sunday by Bruce Feldman from the athletic uh, is former Raiders head coach and commentator Buccaneers head coach and commentator, John Gruden, which is interesting. They are supporting him to be a head coach, uh, you know, for Indiana, the Indiana Hoosiers. So let's see uh, where 
Indiana goes from here with that head coaching vacancy. Now, let's go with the transfer portal really quick, and let's talk about uh, what's going on there. So, Mississippi State quarterback Will Rogers is entering the transfer portal. Now, that's what I mean by, you know, Will Rogers. So, I saw him have his senior night in Thursday on Thanksgiving in the Egg Bowl. He looked like he was waving goodbye. He had one year of eligibility left, but he decided not to exercise it and get stay. He was going to enter the portal and see what's out there. But however, there's a slight chance that he may be willing and he could, who knows, to listen to what Jeff Levy has to say because that's an offense that he could actually probably play well in. I know he was an air raid quarterback with Mike Leach, but he can throw the ball out and spread it out a lot more under Jeff Levy. So he could be utilized well in Jeff Levy's offense. So let's just see what happens there with Will Rogers. Uh, he has entered the transfer portal as of now, though. Utah quarterback Nate Johnson is also entering the transfer portal due to the fact that probably Cam Rising is coming back and he wants to try to find an opportunity elsewhere. Uh a good landing spot I could see Nate Johnson going to is in Arizona. I could see him going under Arizona under a Jed Fish. I think that would be pretty interesting there. Let's see what Nate Johnson does as he has entered the transfer portal. Texas A&M quarterback Max Johnson has entered the transfer portal for a second time. He previously transferred from LSU to Texas A&M, and he is now entering the transfer portal for a second time as the window opens up December Fourth, So let's see where Max Johnson goes from here as well. Vanderbilt quarterback Ken Seals is entering the transfer portal as well. Uh, Florida tight end Jonathan Odom is also entering the transfer portal, as well as Oklahoma wide receiver DJ Graham is entering the transfer portal. These are the notable names that are in there, along with Tyler Shaw and for Texas Tech and uh, Spencer Petras from Iowa. Uh, these are some of the some big names here in the portal, and I expect to see more big names in the transfer portal as the December fourth window opens up. And let's see who needs what, and let's see how the, the recruiting shapes out for this. I we don't know yet, but December fourth, we will. I think we can also talk about what's happening there. So. December fifth episode of Pigskin Frenzy, we can talk about the transfer portal, and we can talk about where everybody's headed and, 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 and the the early window and who's entered and who's at top of the recruiting rankings. I think that'd be a fun episode there. So if you got a recruit level, a recruit, have a good recruiting ranking in the transfer portal and utilize this portal, especially in the early window. So those are the names that are in the transfer portal and that's the latest news and highlights for the portal. So let's dive deep into the frenzy college football playoff rankings and let's talk about who is entering where Heading into week 14, also known as Conference Frenzy Week. So, Conference Frenzy Week, and then we're going to predict Conference Frenzy and look ahead to the games that we're covering, which is six games. So, 25, hello to SMU. And I think SMU has a solid offense. They're ninth in FBS in offense, and uh, they're a solid team. They're 10-2. and two. They play Tulane in the American Championship in New Orleans at Tulane. So let's see where it goes from here. It's SMU entering at 25. Good spot for them. Oregon State falls from 17 to 24. Had a tough loss there. Not completely out of the frenzy rankings yet in my eyes, but uh, 24 is a good spot for them, and I think that uh, you know right now, 
it's they're they're teetering a little bit. So 24 for Oregon State, 23 Tennessee. Nothing's really changed about Tennessee right there. They're at 23 after a, a strong win uh, against Vanderbilt. We'll see what bowl game they, they will enter coming up later on, and you know um, after Saturday. So uh, I, going into this coming up Sunday, selection Sunday will be it. So this, so uh, Toledo. Is twenty two lane is twenty one. Oklahoma State is twenty two. So Oklahoma State at twenty two. They were at twenty. I dropped them down two spots because they were losing a little bit of that game against BYU. And I think twenty two right now after that game, even though they won, was a good spot for Oklahoma State to fall back to. I think twenty two right there because they didn't look too flashy. And I think twenty. I, I think dropping them back a couple of spots is good right there. So two lane at twenty one. They play SMU. Let's see what happens there. They're eleven and one. Michael Pratt's going to have to have a sensational game. Toledo in the Toledo going into conference championship week. Uh, they are number twenty. Liberty at number nineteen. They have a conference championship against New Mexico State. Jerry Kill in New Mexico State. They just got done beating Auburn a couple of weeks ago. Let's just see what happens there. 18, NC State. A solid team. Solid win against North Carolina. And they're a good football team. And I think at number 18, that's where they need to be. Go Wolfpack. They're at 18. Notre Dame at 17. Uh, they had a good win against Stanford. And I think moving them up to 17 is good suffice. So number 17, Notre Dame. Number 16, Louisville. They were number nine on my list, but they fell, they've fallen all the way to 16 after that tough, heartbreaking loss to Kentucky. Let's see if they can move back up after, you know, if they play, you know, a tough Florida State team Saturday. So let's see what happens there in the ACC championship. Iowa, number 15, they got Michigan Saturday, uh, 10 and 2, and they are facing a Probably the, the the second or first best team in the nation, uh, top two. And let's see if they can find a way to upset and pull it off Saturday night in Indianapolis. Number 14, LSU, uh, nine and three, had a, had a strong ending to their season, trying to win 10 games. Let's see what they have, what, you know, what the committee and what everybody has for them Sunday. Uh, uh, rumors are floating that they are going to play Notre Dame. And or, and or NC State. I think those two matchups are pretty good, especially Notre Dame since Brian Kelly used to coach there. The drama with that one. So we're going to have bowl game coverage each week until the national championship, by the way. So we'll talk about that later on. Number 14, LSU, Jaden Daniels for Heisman. That is what the games are about or have been about in, you know, after the Alabama game. So number 13, Penn State. Um, Penn State, I would keep them there. Uh, they they had a strong ending against Michigan State, but I think 13 right there is not enough to move them up or down. So Penn State at 13. Arizona at 12. Strong showing in the Territorial Cup against Arizona State. They play pretty well. I think they jump Penn State, and I think that number 12 is a good spot for them. So Ole Miss at 11 after winning the Egg Bowl. They looked Pretty good on the ground. Uh, questions, you know, a little bit. I mean, about after they play Georgia, they kind of teetered a little bit. They kind of slowed down. Let's see what New Year's Six Bowl is presented to them for, you know, for, for Ole Miss coming up Sunday. Oklahoma at 10 played pretty good football against TCU Friday, and they look good, and they look good winning. Oklahoma at 10, heartbreaking that they missed the Big 12 championship after losing to Okie State, but Oklahoma State is in. Oklahoma is not in the Big Conference Championship, but they they might they might be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Let's just see what Oklahoma does. They're at 10. Number nine, Missouri. 
Missouri, still strong football team. They, I would say, dominated Arkansas Friday on Black Friday, and they played a pretty good, uh, they played, they've had a pretty good run. So number nine, could potentially get into New Year's Six. Let's see Sunday. Let's see Sunday. Let's see what happens there. Ohio State at eight. Ohio State at eight. They go from three to eight on my rankings because of that game. I cannot rank Ohio State ahead of a Texas, Alabama, or Oregon. I cannot, or Florida State even. I cannot. There are too many one-loss teams that are playing for the conference title. There are three, I'm sorry, three conference. There are three teams that are playing for a conference title that are one-loss, and there are undefeated teams playing for the conference championship. They're not in it. I can't, I can't put them there. We'll see what Ohio, we'll see what the selection, the, the committee has for them Sunday. Ohio State at eight. We'll see what I'm. We'll see what we're. We'll see where everybody is ranked tonight on the College Football Playoff Rankings Show. That's the last one before Selection Sunday. So let's see what happens. Number seven, Oregon. I have them at seven. Uh, I think a lot's going to show Friday night, and let's see what happens there. They're a complete team. That's going to be a tough game. Let's see what happens there. They may have to show a lot in this game to impress the committee. Number six, Alabama. You're thinking, what? What? You you did it? You did it again? Yeah, I did it. Number five, Texas. So Alabama is at six. Texas is five. Alabama played played a good ending to an Iron Bowl, but they did it. They let me just say this. They got out. They got out. They got. I'm just gonna say this. They weren't the better team in the Iron Bowl. Auburn was the better team. What? Auburn lost to New Mexico State. Yeah, they did. That was last week. This was this past Saturday. Auburn out physical Alabama, beat them in the line of trenches. They've been they they made good decisions. They ran the ball like wildfire, and they gave Alabama their best shot in Jordan Hare. Bama with a game-winning touchdown ended the game and iced it, and Alabama won the game. But Auburn was the better team that game. Let's see how it's going to be against Georgia. I think they were looking ahead a little too much against to, to Georgia, but let's see there and let's see what happens. Uh, they're probably going to give Georgia their best game. I'm not going to lie; they're going to give Georgia their best game. Uh, Bama could get in if they defeat Georgia and if number five Texas loses. Texas is number five because they looked pretty darn good against Texas Tech. They blew them out of the water and they looked like a college football playoff team. If they win. There is no doubt in my mind Texas is going to be in the playoff. No doubt in my mind. If they are in, if they win, they're in. So number six, Alabama. Number five, Texas. Texas is going to have to lose for Alabama to make any noise. And Alabama's going to have to win and Texas to lose for, for them to potentially get into the college football playoff. So Bama six, Texas five. Uh, number four, Florida State. They didn't look the best against Florida, but they are undefeated and they did enough to get by. So number four, Florida State. Number three, Washington. They played a hard-fought game against Wazoo. Wazoo gave it all they had. Washington looked good still, but Washington ended up with a victory. They're number three. I got them there. Number two and number one. Number two, Michigan. Number one, Georgia. Both look good. I just don't think there's enough for a switch right now. I think you would you would argue because of the Ohio State win that Michigan would go back to one on my end, but I think Georgia played a played a a, a very underrated Georgia Tech team and they beat them close, but Georgia ended up, you know, 
ended up showing why they, they're the number one team once again. So Georgia number one, Michigan two, and Washington three, and Florida State four. So the playoffs were today. Those would be the four now. Now, those are the frenzy college football playoff rankings for the top, for week 14 conference frenzy. Now, I will release my final rankings and who I have in, the, in my top four Sunday before the selection show. So I will post it on X. I will post it on Instagram and I will post it on Facebook and release my rankings before the selection show on Sunday. And then I will announce my final rankings next Tuesday as well from the socials on the podcast episode next Tuesday. So not only will I reveal them before the selection show Sunday, I will re- I will also talk about my final rankings on next week's Tuesday's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. So let's go into conference frenzy preview and predictions before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Six games. Let's go with SMU in Tulane. SMU at Tulane for the American Conference Championship. Group of five. Uh, for S- for 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 Tulane, they really have to find a way uh, to slow down their offense. And I think for Tulane, they got to find a way to slow down their offense and the weapons around them. Uh, SMU's offense is ninth in total offense and FBS, and Tulane's defense is 29th. So not bad on defense, but you got to play a lot better defense to slow their offense down. They're a top 10 offense in the nation. SMU, they are looking good. They're looking good. Let's see what happens there. Uh, for SMU, they got to play a perfect defensive game plan and find a way for Michael Pratt to not have a sensational game because Tulane, for Tulane to win, Michael Pratt's got to have a sensational game. So for SMU, they got to find a way to slow down Michael Pratt and to pressure him into not having a sensational game. So who wins this ball game? I think it's going to be close. I honestly have SMU defeating Tulane. I have SMU winning, going 11 and 2, and Tulane falling to 11 and 2, winning the American Championship. And SMU, they're looking good. Ninth in FBS offense, pony up Saturday. SMU Mustangs, they win the American Conference Championship on the road by a score of SMU. 42, Tulane 35. So SMU 42, Tulane 35, high-scoring game there. SMU gets the job done over Tulane to win the American Conference Championship. Going to the Power 5, Big 12 title game. Texas at Oklahoma, or versus Oklahoma State in Dallas. So, used to saying at because of, you know, them being on the road and away and stuff. But it's, it's a neutral site. Dallas game, Texas versus Oklahoma State, Saturday morning. Presented by Dr. Pepper, right? So presented by Dr. Pepper, the Dr. Pepper Championship, the Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship game in Dallas. So Texas versus Oklahoma State. For Texas, you got to find a way to contain Ollie Gordon. You got to find a way to slow him down because he leads college football in rushing. I don't know if you've heard of Ollie Gordon the second. Please watch him because he's a sensational running back. He lights it up on the ground. You got to find a way to contain Ollie Gordon because he is a sensational rusher. Pretty sure he'll be a finalist for the Doak Walker. So find a way to contain and slow down Ollie Gordon. For Oklahoma State to pull off the upset, they need to beat them in the line of scrimmage. And 
let Ollie Gordon cook. You got to play physical football against Texas up in the front, and you got to spread it out to let Ollie Gordon have some running room and let Ollie Gordon cook on the ground because that is your best bet to try to, to, to throw Texas off and for Texas to lose this game. So I think Ollie Gordon is the key in both scenarios. You got to find a way to slow him down, and you got to find a way to beat him up front and to let him cook. So who wins this game? I got Texas winning it. Close. Close. I think they find a way to... Oh, Ollie Gordon's going to get his yards, but I think they find a way to slow him down and contain him enough for Texas to pull out the win. Texas wins by a score of 24-17. I think Texas wins 24-17. Texas 24, Oklahoma State 17. They moved 12-1, win the Big 12 championship, like I said earlier in the year, and potentially a college football playoff berth for Texas. So let's see what happens there. Michigan versus Iowa in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. Here we go. Michigan versus Iowa. So for the keys to this game, you got to hit the weak spots of the Iowa defense if you're Michigan. Their their defense is pretty stingy. I'm not going to lie. Their offense, not there. But that's my next key in a minute. They got to hit the weak spots of this defense, uh, uh, run the ball particularly well, and you know, kind of, kind of gas them out a little bit on defense, and then put the points up, and then just win. And then that's how you got to do it. It's expose the weak spots and what, and just figure out what the weak spots are of the Iowa defense and the Hawkeye defense, and figure it out. After you figure it out, use that to your advantage, and that's how you win the football game. So, for Iowa, you got to keep it low scoring. Because your offense is not built for a high-scoring affair. you got to keep it low-scoring. And you got to play stingy defense to keep it low-scoring to have any shot of pulling off the upset in Indianapolis. Michigan 12-0, Iowa 10-2. Who wins the Big Ten Championship? I have Michigan winning the Big Ten Championship. I think it's going to be not particularly close. I think they're they're going to find those weak spots of their defense. I think they're going to use their offense, run the ball well. And I think the Michigan's defense is going to get to Iowa's offense. Uh, I'm going to have Michigan win this game by a total of 28-3. Michigan 28, Iowa 3. Michigan wins the game, and they win the Big 12, Big 10 championship, and they go to the college football playoff in the process. So Louisville versus Florida State in Charlotte. Who... Mighty do, mighty D there. That's all I got to say. Mighty do, mighty D. That was a weird way of putting stuff. So Louisville versus Florida State, 10 and 2, 12 and 0 in Charlotte for the ACC championship game. Uh, for Louisville, you got to put pressure on Tate Rotomaker. You saw what Florida did to Tate Rotomaker. Uh, they pressured him, got a couple of sacks on him. They they looked, they looked like he looked like he was under pressure. And I feel like if you put some pressure on him and believe that in, to his environment because he's going to be in a, in a pretty packed out environment in the NFL, NFL environment here. I think that's a a key here, honestly. Uh, I think if you put pressure on Tate Rotomaker, uh, Louisville can have a shot at pulling off the upset here. For Florida State, you got to utilize your weapons on offense. I said it again when we were talking about recapping the Florida game. You got to use your weapons on offense. You have to. You have to utilize Jaheim Bell. You got to utilize Trey Benson, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson. You got to utilize all those guys. If you utilize all those guys, everything's going to be fine. Fine and dandy, right? So you got to utilize all those guys. Make Tate Tate Rotomaker, make him a quarterback, but make him dish it out to some of those weapons and make the weapons 
explode, make them do the work. You make it a team effort by both ends. Don't put all the pressure on yourself. That is the that is a key for Florida State to win this football game. Who wins? And I think it's going to be a close game, honestly. However, I think Florida State finds a way to get this one done. I really do. You're going to think, really? With Jordan Travis out, they're going to win the ACC championship? I really do. I think they're going to utilize the weapons, and I think the weapons are going to be too much for Louisville to handle. I think Louisville's a good team, and they're going to keep it close. But I think Florida State wins this game and goes 13-0 and and potentially to the college football playoff. Florida State, they win it 17-10. Florida State 17, Louisville 10. I think... They're going to keep it low scoring. They got the defense too. And I think that Florida State wins 17-10 and Louisville goes 10-3. Florida State goes 13-0 and and on their way to a college football playoff. Louisville goes to a pretty solid bowl game. So uh, don't hang your head. You made it to the ACC championship. But Florida State gets the win there. Now, two more games before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. The rematch. Oregon versus Washington in Las Vegas on Friday in the Pac-12 championship, which could be the final Pac-12 championship game. Oregon versus Washington, the rematch. And we're going to talk about this for a little bit. So for Oregon, they're 11-1. Washington is 12-0. That one loss was to Washington. They played each other in October. Oregon missed the go-ahead field goal, and they lost in Seattle. So for Oregon, big thing here, you got to avoid the mental coaching errors like last game. I'm, I, I think that's a good key here. You avoid a lot of the coaching errors that you made. For example, going for it on fourth down when you could have kicked the field goal. Um, and, and, and not only that, going for it on certain times where you didn't have to go for it. Running this play when you didn't have to run it. I felt like there were, there were those were some of the big coaching errors that Dan Lanning made, and he was trying to see if it worked. He made those mistakes, and I don't think it's going to happen. Hey, it probably it could happen again. It may not. Who knows? But he's got to avoid those mental coaching errors like last game. So now for Washington, you've got to try to out-physical the Ducks. The Oregon Ducks are the most physical team in the Pac-12 this season. I think they're the most complete team in the conference, for sure. But Washington has to figure out a way to out physical them in Las Vegas, uh, out physical them. Uh, Michael Penix obviously is going to play good. So is Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk and Dylan Johnson. They're going to play good, but you got to out physical them up front and make some of those plays happen physically. So I think out physically out, out matching them physically would be a key victory point of victory for the Washington Huskies. So who wins this football game and who wins the rematch? And who wins the Pac-12 championship? Playoff berth on the line. I think, I think, Washington's going to come out and they're going to put in their best effort. I picked Washington the first time and I got it right. I said Washington was going to win and they got it. Washington was white hot. I, and I think Oregon is hard to pick against Oregon. And right now, it is definitely hard to pick against Oregon. I got the Ducks winning this one. You're thinking, you just picked Washington in October only to pick the Ducks in in, in December? Yes, 
I got Oregon winning the rematch. I think Oregon wins this one. I think Oregon wins a close one. Same, probably around the same score as last time. I think Oregon wins. Oregon 42, Washington 35. I think Washington wins, and they're out uh, in the Pac-12. I think Washington wins. I think Oregon wins. Oregon wins the Pac-12 championship and potentially goes to the, the the college football playoff. Washington loses and they're out, and they go to a New Year's Six Bowl. But close game, back and forth. I just don't see Dan Lanning making some of those mistakes that he made last time. And I think Oregon is too much of a complete team right now, and that loss really hurt them and fired, hurt them at first, but then fired him up to go on a wharf path to claim the Pac-12 title game. So Oregon wins this one 42-35, and they beat Washington by a touchdown. Last but not least, before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, win or go home for the college football playoff right here. Number one, Georgia. Number in, in the playoff rankings right now, number eight, Alabama. We'll see what happens later on tonight. But in my rankings, number one, Georgia. Number six, Alabama. For the SEC championship game in Atlanta, college football playoff on the line for both teams. For Alabama, you have to out-physical Georgia and try to tire them out by running the football. That is a big key for Alabama here. You got to run it with Jalen Milrow. You got to run it with Jason McClellan, Roy, Roy Dell Williams, uh, Jamari and Miller, everything. You got to throw their... You got to throw a running game off. You got you got to throw a running offense at them and just try to tire them out and out physical them up front. You got to play physical football against Georgia and you got to try to tire them out. And I think that is a big key for victory here for Alabama. If you have any shot of pulling a minimal, I would say minimal upset against the dogs. So for Georgia, you have to contain and limit Jalen Milrow, which means put a spy on him. Auburn did a great job at that. They put a spy on him. They they pressured him. Jalen Milrow did not really have that good of a game against in the Iron Bowl. He was it was a tough game for him because he was being tackled and he was being put pressured on. He missed some of his throws, but when it happened, when in doubt, Jalen Milrow came did come uh, did come through. I think Georgia has the team to limit that and limit his ability to make magic plays happen. I think contain him and limit him is a a good thing for them to try to collapse that offense because he is what makes that offense go right now. So to collapse Jalen Milrow and to just collapse all that would be to collapse their offense. And I think that is a good point of victory for the Georgia Bulldogs to stay undefeated and go to the college football playoffs. So who do I have winning this football game? Who do I have winning it? I have the dogs winning it close. You're thinking... Dude, Alabama, you were hyping them up earlier, telling them about backing them into a corner. You don't back Alabama into a corner. You still don't. I may get this game wrong. Bama may win, but here's the deal. I just think that the weapons that Carson Beck has can outweigh what's happening with Alabama right now. And I think they're going to move the ball in Alabama. I think Georgia is going to score late and find a way to get this one done in a close one, and they win the game. Georgia 31, Alabama 28. I think they score late. Alabama, Alabama, Georgia 31, Alabama 28, and Georgia wins the SEC championship, goes to the college football playoff. They're 13-0. Alabama goes to 11-2 and goes to a New Year's Six Bowl in the process. So that just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy as we get ready for Conference Frenzy this week. A big thank you for taking some time out of your 
Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Pod, uh, Podbean, Spotify, Apple, all you got to do is just follow on there and just share around with others. Uh, X, Instagram, Facebook, all you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get in- trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's college football question, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, we are moving sets Thursday. Uh, I am leaving the state of Mississippi. We are moving to Illinois. So my, I will have a new setup next week, and it will be, I think it will be pretty cool. I think I'm going to have a new setup and a new you know, office area for me to film and record the show on YouTube if you want to see it on there. We'll have a new setup and everything, but uh, we will be moving, and I will be changing sets. So this set will be the, the last two episodes you will see of this set. Uh for good. So we will have a new area for work here for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, until Thursday, I'm Joel Norris signing off. We will cover NFL then. And for everybody out there, stay the course.